0: Thank you for listening to Breakthrough Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message brought to you by John Crumpton. For more podcasts, news, and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. As we launch into 2024, uh, I took some time the last two Sundays just to talk a little bit as to what we're sensing for this next season. And the Hebrew calendar and the uh, calendar that we use are kind of coinciding quite beautifully in terms of the fact that it has a four in it, 2024. So the Hebrew year, which actually began on the 15th of September last year, is 5784. And in the Hebrew, the fourth letter of their alphabet they only have 22 letters. We've got 26. I'm getting ahead of the teachers already. <laughs> uh, but the fourth letter, Dalet, is actually got a pictograph because it originally you know, was all sort of drawn out more than written out. And it's, it's uh, reflected by an open tent flap, which has then become an open door. So the four is an open door. And that's the sense that we have. And remember, when we're dealing with numbers and that kind of stuff in terms of dreams and visions and prophetic words, numbers help us a little bit. Just like when you're cooking, a little bit of garlic helps. All right? But if the whole meal is garlic, not so good. All right? So spices and herbs... Help to bring out the flavors, but the spices and the herbs is not the real deal. And so, when we look at numbers and these kinds of things, colors and symbols in the Bible, it's not the core of it. It's just to help us bring out the flavor. Okay, so yes, we we understand that the four and the door and all the rest of it. It just helps to bring out the flavor but we're not going to become a bunch of nutters that are looking at numbers. You're like, what's your phone number? Oh, you that kind of a person, eh? Or, you know, you've now suddenly got to sell your house and move to a different address because your number's got like a 13 on it or something. Okay, so we're not going to become a bunch of nutters. Good, agreed? Thank you. But the flavor, the sense, is that the Lord is opening up new things for us. Okay, great, we'll take that. And So we know from the book of Revelation, in chapter 3, Jesus is the one who opens doors that no one can shut, and then he also shuts doors that no one can open. Now we need Jesus to shut some doors of the enemy, like it's a closed door, like enough in Jesus' name. And so there's a cutting off of things from the past. They're things that need to be shut. And as the people of God, the church, the original word is ecclesia, meaning the called out ones, the group of people with authority to make decisions and decrees on behalf of the city. So we as the church, we are the powerful ones. We're not insignificant. We're not weak. We're not the victims here. We're on the victor side. And so from a place of victory and authority, we pray, we declare, we decree. And so we say no to the works of the enemy. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy And we see a whole heap of that happening in our nation. And so Jesus wants to shut the door on some of that stuff. And so we join him in decreeing and praying into the shutting down of things that need to be shut. Yes? Yes? And then there is also this thing of the Lord opening up new opportunities and new doors. And there's a sense in which we're stepping across the threshold as the people of God into a new level of authority and maturity and fruitfulness in the context of the advance of the kingdom. We are people on the front foot. Yes. Yes. And so this open door is the door for more. And it was like, yes. But it's not just more stuff. Because that's almost like a default, you know, like, oh, more. Yes. Remember that sometimes more things can become a distraction. When you've got a whole heap of responsibility and things, it means that there's extra effort that you have to put in. That's the one thing. The other thing is sometimes when you've got so much stuff, it becomes a distraction from your dependence and reliance on the Lord. And we see this all through the scriptures. Yeah, again and again, I took uh, some time just to sp- spend in the, you know, the, the Old Testament history and, and the, the, the cycle of the kings. And, and the cycle of how the nation of Israel, when they prospered, you know, they, they, they got the land flowing with milk and money. I mean honey. <laughs> when the Lord prospered them, when there was blessing and favor and increase, what we would call more, they forgot the Lord They got distracted by all of the excess and abundance and all the things that they had. And they stopped seeking and serving the Lord and they turned after other things. That's not what we want. I mean, if that's the result, then whoa, don't want the more. Because the more might make us temporarily more comfortable. But from an eternal perspective, we'd be less fruitful. And bearing in mind that eternity is much longer than just our finite number of years on earth, about 120 or so. Yeah? You're in? Good. All right. So, we need to be preparing for all of eternity. And the way we live now causes us to be in a position to receive rewards in eternity. So we're living with eternity in mind, yes? So we want to experience the more of the Lord, not just for the temporary quick fix comfort now, We want the more of the Lord that's actually going to be for eternity. Are you tracking with me? You're looking at me like, hmm, you're making me work and think. Yes, welcome to the new year. All right, we're going to think together. We're going to become thinking believers. Yeah? We're going to think through our faith and the implications of our living. So we want to live lives that are fruitful and bring him honor and glory. And so the more that we're after is not just more comfort, especially if it's going to take us away from the Lord. We want things that are more in terms of more of God, more of him. Because if we have him, then we have everything. We have what we need. Okay? So we want more intimacy, we want more revelation, we want more God-likeness, the fruit of the Spirit, to be in our lives. Yeah? So, Revelation chapter 3 is, he closes doors, he shuts them, no one can open and then he opens doors other people can't open doors but he opens the doors and where the enemy is trying to keep you from getting into your inheritance God's going to open that door. So he opens doors that men try, they can't they can't stop you from going through that door. Now, as we noted I think it was the 31st We started the year early, by the way. You guys were on holiday. We already started on the 31st. Got a head start on the year. And Steve was just saying, there's an open door, but there's a threshold, and we have to go in. Just because there's a door there doesn't mean we are actually appropriate what the Lord has for us. We've got to go in to possess. Mm -hmm. You know, like the the call to the people of God that there was a promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. There were testimonies. In fact, there was even evidence of the goodness of God. The cluster of grapes was so large, it required two adult men to carry one huge cluster of grapes that was suspended over a pole was carrying uh, carrying on their shoulders. One cluster of grapes. It's no wonder the mountains are dripping with new wine. I mean, grapes is huge, man. Wow. Okay. And so there was the testimony of the goodness of God and what was there in terms of the promise. And God said, listen, boys and girls, I'm giving it to you. Go and take possession. But he also said, Get up and go and fight. So like, are you giving it or we've got to fight for it? And the answer is both. So there is an open door, but you've got to cross the threshold to go through. It's there and available. The promises are there, but we need to step into it and appropriate it. So he's shutting door on the enemy and he's opening kingdom opportunities for us to step into because it's going to result in the advance in an accelerated way of the glory of the Lord being revealed on the earth. Yeah? Okay. So the more that we need... Is heavenly perspective. Kingdom revelation. So in Revelation chapter 4, it says, And behold, I looked and I saw an open door. And then a voice said, Come up higher. And so there's an open door for higher revelation and understanding. Of intimacy with the Lord. Of increasing in our union with Him. And through our union with Him, our fruitfulness and our ability to be changed to be more like Him. Because when we behold Him and His glory, we are changed and transformed. Is this making sense? Yes. And so there's a this invitation into greater revelation and understanding of who He is. There's the more. That kind of more is the more we want. Not the things that distract us or even cause our hearts to drift away from the Lord. We want the kinds of things that's the more that invites us into a closer relationship with God. That's the more. Are we good? Okay. Because we need to understand what we're going after this year. Happy? So this is a quick recap of the last two weeks. When you were on the beach, that's what we were doing. Okay. Now, this morning, what I wanted to talk about is how as we are stepping into the more and being obedient and going with him, that there may be some ups and downs... That we will face. There may be moments of mess in 2024. But that God is with us in the mess. And he's going to turn it around for good. Are we okay with this? So would you turn with me please to the book of Matthew. So if you've got your Bible, open it. If it's on your phone, switch it on, whatever it is. This is the only thing, not WhatsApp, Andy. Your Bible app. See, that's what we're on now. Bible apps now. I'm just teasing him because he's family and he can't leave. <laughs> All right. So Matthew 14 and verse 22. And... The context of what's going on here, you know, powerful for us to understand what Jesus is doing and saying, and how what he says and does is somehow connected to what he's just done before that. Okay? So the context, early on, Jesus himself has just suffered a great loss. His favorite cousin, John, has just been beheaded. I mean, this is like John the baptizer, the forerunner, the one who went ahead to prepare the way, the, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. This, this crazy prophet guy, the greatest of the prophets of the old, John, the baptizer. Because of political conniving and government chaos, John gets executed. You know, in our world, there is crazy stuff going on and people are getting their heads chopped off. I mean, we, just not so long ago, on the 7th of October, people savagely had their heads chopped off. And and the political system and all this stuff, and just like, whoa, this is... And many people suffer loss in these kinds of environments. This was happening in Jesus' time. And so so... Out of all of the stuff that's going on, the Spirit of God and the kingdom of God and the miraculous still continues to break in. In the middle of chaos and trauma, God still breaks in. The next section, as recorded there in Scripture, is Jesus is spending time with the boys and a massive crowd... Arrives and they are looking for Jesus to bring them life. And one of the things that he does, besides a whole lot of teaching and instruction and understanding, is like that meeting went on for a very long time. Our meetings, not so long. The people were tired and hungry. And there were no shops around. And the supernatural breaks out in the most mind-blowing way. As Jesus does something that mirrors a miracle of old. Manna in the wilderness. They're out in a deserted place. And bread... Is multiplied. This is amazing. Scripture says that there were 5,000 men plus women and children who were fed. 25,000, 30,000 people. We don't know exactly. It's more than 5,000. They just counted the men. This is, this is, a, this is a lot of miracle that comes out of five loaves and two fish. And the amazing thing is that the disciples were in on the miracle. You see, Jesus takes the five loaves, the two fish. He gives thanks to the Father. He didn't give thanks to the boy. How's that, eh? He gave thanks to the Father. Lord, you've provided Yes, this boy was the delivery mechanism, but Father, give you thanks. You give what we need, even if it's a tiny little bit, even if it's just in seed form. Can you recognize the answer to your situation in seed form? look at all these people, how are we going to feed them, take a year's wages, even if there was a checkers around the corner, but there's no corner, so there's no checkers. No bread, no shops, no, even if we could, it's a year's wages. five loaves, two fish. What are these among so many? Seed form. Oh, Father, you've provided. The disciples come up. Does he see how many people are there? It's like it's only, did somebody tell him, this is all it is. This is not like first installment. No, this is it. Jesus. Seed form. Just a little. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. The answer's on the way. Give thanks. The answer's on the way. Come on. For some of us, the situations we're facing, there's just a little bit come. Yeah. That's the Father saying. It's on its way. Then he gives to the disciples. He says, okay, boys, here you go. Some bread for you, some bread for you, some fish. There fish. you go. All right. Now you guys break it and give it to the people. And it multiplied in the hands of the disciples. It didn't multiply in Jesus' hands. It multiplied as the disciples were... You get some, and you get some, and you get some. Hey, everybody. They were so happy, they gave out too much, they collected 12 baskets over. And the disciples are kind of like, Bartholomew, did you check that? My fingers, man, it was amazing. I could just feel energy, light, it was super." Whoa, these fingers, man, on fire. (laughs) (laughs) The disciples were pumped. Amped. Jesus said, Whoa, okay, tell you what. You boys, before you do anything that you shouldn't do, chaps, take a little boat ride. And cross over to the other side. I'll meet you there. But you take those loaded fingers of yours, and uh, and, and you just go and row it off. And the disciples go like, "Man, this is amazing!" And at the end of the day, sun's going to go down. We're going for a little sunset cruise. And half the boys grew up on the lake because they were fishermen. They're like, this going to be fun. This is going to be so much fun. It's like, who knows what's going to happen next? And Jesus said, we must go to the other side. So there's a mission for us waiting on the other side. And with these fully loaded fingers, imagine. It's like, and they're busy dreaming about the miracles that are going to take place. And Jesus has given them a word. Boys, I'll see you on the other side. We've got more work to do over there. They're amped. They've got a word. They've got power. Literally tasted the miraculous. as I'm sure that some for you, some for me. Some for you, some for me. This is the best fish I've ever had. Whew. I thought you were a fisherman, Peter. Hey, Andrew, what kind of fish is this? Oh, this is divine. (laughs) And they're out there rowing. And then the wind comes up. It's like, boys, who checked the weather forecast? Oh, my app wasn't working. I ran out of data. It's like... Thomas is beginning to doubt if this is a good idea. Like maybe we shouldn't have gone. And they start rowing. And they row. And these fully loaded fingers are now straining at the oars, and they row. It's kind of like, guys, uh, we should be further along by now. Now, in my youth, I used to do an enormous amount of rowing. And uh, racing, and so I know how long six kilometers should take. About 22, 23 minutes. Okay, it was a racing boat. Nevertheless, let's double it, let's say an hour for this, this boat these boys are in. These guys are rowing. Sunset, after dark, bedtime. Midnight, three in the morning, just before dawn, all night long. It's like, man, these boys and boats and all night long, like they've been there before. Remember? Remember? It's like when they first encountered Jesus. Like, but master, we've been fishing All night long. And then there was a miracle also involving fish. So now they're on the boat, on the lake, all night long, and they're rowing and rowing with these loaded hands, and they, like the supernatural begins to lose its glow. Like the bread and the fish. Some of them are actually now beginning to wish they didn't eat so much. Of the bread and the fish. Because the wind came up. John's gospel says in chapter 6 that the, a strong wind came up and the waves got rough. It was like a raging sea. So the lake became like a sea. And these guys are like... Because mm-hmm. not everybody's got their sea legs, you know. Matthew was a tax collector. He didn't really like boats so much. So, not everybody was comfortable on the boat. And they're straining at the oars, and they only make about six kilometers. Jesus, he's dismissed the crowd, he's gone up on the mountainside, and he's watching what's happening with the disciples. And he's praying for them. These guys have just had the most amazing supernatural experience, like multiplying the bread and the fish. It's kind of like, oh my goodness. They were part of it, in it. They were in revival. It was a revival meeting. And then Jesus said, okay, boys, now the next mission. And so they've got a prophetic word. They're on fire, they're going for it. And the next thing, there's a storm. Hello. Hello. We've got a prophetic word. We've encountered the supernatural. We're on a high. We're on fire. We're going for it. We're with Jesus. And, he's, and we're doing what he told us to do. In fact, we're out there in the area of our strength and expertise. Like these guys were back out there, their career, if you like, was on water, in boats. And they're out there doing the stuff they know to do and as they've got a word to go and use all of that, they encounter a rough storm. It's like, which way did he say we must go? Can't we turn back now? And Nathaniel kind like, I don't think so, because, like, boys, like, who thought this one through? Like, because he said, chaps, get in the boat, and I'll meet you on the other side, but there's only one boat, he's on that side, so how's he getting there? He like, said, oh, I don't know. I mean, there are no water taxis at this time of night. It's like... Jesus had many times given them instructions to go and do things, and they're kind of like, "Well, I don't know. It's like you'll go and find a colt, an unwritten donkey. It's just tied up there, and you know it'll be waiting. And when you anybody asks you a question, just say the master is in need of it, and that's like code word, like secret password. They'll give you the donkey, no problems. You go ex- another place." And um, you'll you'll see that there's a house, and we can do a great feast there. Like, did he get reservations? Like, did he like get the app? And like, so, many many times where the disciples were sent on a mission, did something, and it kind of just worked out. So it's kind of. Did you ask him, like, how he was getting there? No, it's just it'll work out, like all the other times. We don't know how he's getting there. But the point is, we actually can't turn the boat around and go back, because he will be there. So we've still got to keep on going. But where he said we must meet him, we can't go back. So there's like, but we're not getting anywhere. It's like nearly sunrise, nearly dawn. And they've been rowing and rowing, and those miraculous fingers are not feeling so miraculous anymore. Those hands are now blistered. Believe me. When you've been rowing and pulling at the oar for a while, your hands are going to get blistered. I'll show you one or two scars here. All of the glory was gone. Probably a little bit of arguing in the boat. Probably some people throwing up because of the waves. How is it that you can go from glory, supernatural, miraculous, like and then, has anybody got a bucket? What am I trying to say here? Life is messy. And just because we experience the supernatural and we see the power of God, we see miraculous healings and signs and wonders, doesn't mean we're exempt from going through the mess of life. Even when we're following his instructions and we're heading in the right direction and still there's some mess. There's difficulty, there's opposition. It says the wind was against them. That's why they were rowing and rowing. And it's like, is the anchor down? What's going on? Why are we not getting anywhere? Then, The fourth watch of the night. The Romans had four watches. And the Hebrews only had three watches. Okay? Not this kind of watch, man. No, no. The watchmen on the walls, the soldiers, they would divide the night into different literal watches. And so the Romans would be from sunset to nine, nine to midnight, midnight to three, and then three to sunrise. So the fourth one, just before sunrise, this is when Jesus, who's been praying for them all night, who was working harder? You know, when you're working, Jesus is working. He was up there praying for them, watching them, praying for them. That the, the glory, if you like, of that supernatural encounter and the miraculous wouldn't cause them to, because it was now being challenged by circumstances that they wouldn't lose faith, they wouldn't give in to doubt and fear and disbelief and all these things. He's praying for them. He says, Father, shall I go now? Because he only did what he saw Father doing. So then he goes, he says, okay, Father, how are we going to get this? He says, no, just walk on the water. But it will freak them out. Don't worry, we got this. So he, the guys are rowing. And they're tired and very upset, and then like as the waves up and down. She's like, oh, "I thought I saw something. Don't freak me out. I told you not to tell us any ghost stories." <laughs> no ways! What? Chicken? I can't see. Wait, do we come up again? Oh, now come! It's a ghost. They thought they saw a ghost. And these guys, grown men, began to cry. That's what the Bible says. They cried in fear and terror. In this place we do sound effects. For those watching at home, they've got no clue what's going on. There was a a child crying in the back, (laughs) just at the appropriate moment. So not even children, but even the grown men were crying. So the disciples, I mean, this is crazy, right? These guys, half of them, we can understand, they're in sheer panic. The Bible says, terrified. Terrified. Trying to use good language. (laughs) Church, don't use bad language in church. Terrified, that's how big the storm was. Half of these guys had grown up on the lake fishing, they knew what was going on, and still they were terrified. And then they think they see a ghost. And in those days, like the awareness of the supernatural was there, and superstition, and it's kind of like, oh, maybe we've seen a spirit and it's a ghost, and oh, that's a bad omen, we're gonna drown. Where's Jesus? Why did they send us here? Oh, we're gonna die, we're gonna die. Come on, these are the guys just a few hours ago. And the people receiving the bread, what do you think they thought of these guys? Man, that guy's spiritual, eh? (laughs) Sheesh, that must be a, he must be a giant. Come on, don't judge each other. Don't look to other people. Just keep our eyes on Jesus. And just because somebody's maybe, you know, a couple of steps ahead on the journey, because the whole thing of a disciple means a learner follower. So there might be some people who are following Jesus and they just started the journey a little bit ahead of you. You're going to catch up, man. So let's relate to one another correctly. And don't put people on a pedestal who shouldn't be on a pedestal. Jesus said, don't do that, man. Okay? Okay? But these these amazing people with loaded fingers are kind of like losing their faith. We're gonna die. And then Jesus says, You in Matthew fourteen, did I give you enough time to get there? He says, Take courage, verse twenty seven, it is I, don't be afraid. Why did Jesus have to say, don't be afraid? Because they were afraid. Okay? And he says, take courage. Take courage. You're in the storm. You're facing the storm. I'm here. It's I. I'm here with you. I'm in the storm. Take courage. Some of you are in the middle of a storm right now. And she's like, I don't know if I can hang on any longer. Jesus is here this morning saying, take courage. Take courage. Storm? Yeah, but I'm here. We're going to die. No, no, no. Take courage. Be encouraged. Remember Josh? Josh who led the people from the wilderness into the promised land? To go and face those giants? What was the instruction? Be strong and courageous. courageous. In other words, you've got so much courage working in you and through you that people think, oh, you're a courageous dude. But the instruction came in, in, um, was it Joshua chapter 6? Be strong, be courageous, be courageous. Again, be courageous. So Jesus is he's here, he's coming to the 12, and he's saying, chaps, take courage. Take courage. You're going to need courage. I'm giving you the inner resource to face the situation that you're facing. You're not doing it in your own strength. I'm not leaving you alone. I'm with you. And in fact, I'm actually going to give you the inner resource to be able to face the storm and to get through this. Take courage. Then Peter does an amazing thing. Because a moment ago it was a ghost. Now it's like the waves are going up and down. It's like, whoa, Jesus. Jesus. Is a you? Then <laughs> listen, your, 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 your Bible story kind of pictures is like it's a calm lake. And Jesus said, Peter, come. It's like really calm. So he's just like, hold this, chaps. <laughs> just swings his legs over the side of the boat flaps his garment over his shoulder. Watch this, boys. (laughs) On a calm lake. No, 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 Storm. Storm. Violent, violent waves. It was raging. And Jesus calls him into one of the most mind-blowing miracles on top of the for you, for you, for you. He invites Peter into the miraculous in the middle of the storm. He didn't, okay. All right, quiet everyone, quiet, quiet everybody, concentrate, everyone quiet, water, wind, stop it. I said stop it. Okay, quiet, okay. Uh, Peter, you can come now. No, no. Storm, wind, raging, terrifying, terrifying. And in the middle of that, Peter walking on the water. Not like straight line stuff, like up and down. That's what the water looked like. Crazy stuff. And then Peter does what all the rest of us do. It's like My goodness, there's a wave coming from that side. I don't know if I can make it. On the other side too. And he suddenly felt the wind nearly blew him over. So like, oh. And he began to doubt that what he was doing that he should have been doing because he was defying his logic and his personal history. In fact, all of human history. It's like, I shouldn't be doing this. And reason came into the fore. It's like, what I'm doing, I should not be doing. I should not be able to be standing on water. And then he begins to sink. Peter was a fisherman, he knew how to swim, he knew the waters, even if he went into the water and he says, Jesus save me, because I'm going to drown, this is a storm of all storms, come on, it's not like, oh, I don't know how to swim, save me, No, no, it's like he was terrified, that's how bad the storm is. And he's walking on the water in the middle of this big storm. You'll see there, it says immediately, immediately Jesus had him. Like there was a distance between him and Jesus. Come on, some of us think. We think he's far away. He's not with me in my storm. And I'm crying out to him, and I'm sinking, and I'm about to drown, and he's far away. But the truth is, immediately he's there. The Lord's trying to get through to us. something mean, we're super powerful for this year. So 2024 is going to have ups and downs. It's going to have storms. It's going to have crazy waves. There's going to be turbulence. And even if you think you know how to cope, oh, I know this environment. I grew up in this environment. Listen, it's going to be turned upside down. Why? So that you cannot rely on your own strength and your own knowledge and your own experience. He wants us to be relying on him. When I was small, I used to think that Jesus was cross with Peter. Oh, you of little faith, you bad, weak disciple. Why do you doubt? I don't think Jesus was doing that. I think the one with love and fire in his eyes. Oh, Peter, why did you doubt me? Dude, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. So come on, man, let's just walk back to the boat. Hey, Pete, Pete, listen. Don't rub it in with the other 11, eh? You and me, my water-walking buddy. The other 11 didn't have the guts to get out the boat. But don't rub it in. Come on. Let's go. I don't think Jesus was you weak disciple. It's like, oh, come on man. Don't doubt. Why did you doubt? No, don't doubt me. Picked him up. They walked on the water again. And then, It's going to come to an end now soon. The story and the preaching. (laughs) Jesus and Peter climb back in the boat. Jesus doesn't say a word. This is not the same miracle as the other storm. Jesus climbs in the boat and immediately, he just climbs in the boat, doesn't say nothing to the storm, nothing to the waves. He climbs in the boat and his presence in the boat immediately calm. No more waves. No more wind. He just gets in the boat with the disciples. He climbs in their boat. John wrote and he said they were willing to have Jesus get in the boat. Awesome. They were willing to They thought it was a ghost. You don't want a ghost in your boat. It's Jesus. They were willing to invite him in the boat. Jesus steps in the boat and immediately, no waves. And there's another immediate. Remember that? Six kilometers, like going nowhere slowly. When Jesus climbed in the boat, it says, then, immediately, they were at the shore. It's like another one of these, yeah? Remember the other other miracle, Jesus spoke to the storm, the waves quiet, and they went to the side, yeah? And this is almost like that. It's a different a different miracle, but it's like so many similarities. He gets in the boat, and immediately, whoosh, and whoosh. <laughs> <laughs> I set before you an open door. And we cross over the threshold. And as we cr- cross over and we step into the things that he's inviting us into, prophetically, areas in our life, in our business, whatever, that he sent us to, he's given us, I'll meet you there. And there's a storm. Hold on. Jesus is going to be with us in the mess. And there's some things that we're going to find out about Jesus in the storm that we had no other way of knowing if it wasn't for the storm. If there was no storm, Jesus would not have walked on water. These guys experienced the most phenomenal, mind blowing demonstration of the power of God over the elements as Jesus walked on water and then says, hey Pete, come, let's do it together. It was in the storm that they got to see a perspective of his divine transcendence. And then as he gets in the boat, immediately. Acceleration. Advance. I believe that the Lord is going to set us up Places where we have to take courage from Him. Because this is overwhelming beyond us. And as we take courage and we hold on to Him, we don't be afraid. Okay, I'm trusting. Keep my eyes on you, Jesus. I'm going to walk on water. As He steps into our boat, we're going to see the miraculous before our eyes. We're going to see things about His nature. It says there, when Jesus stepped in the boat, those that were in the boat bowed down and worshipped him. Truly, you are the son of God. Worship, intimacy, revelation, something they could not have had if they had not gone through the storm. The ups and downs and the waves of 2024 may look like the storm is raging. It may look like God... Where are you? He says, I'm right here. I'm with you in the storm. We're going to see some immediates. And he's going to show us things that we would otherwise never have seen or known if it wasn't for the fact that he's taking us through. And they did get to the other side. And they did get on with the mission. And multitudes were healed and delivered and set free. The mission was successful. Hallelujah. Come on, let's stand. We take just a couple of moments just to present ourselves before the Lord at the start of this year. And just to say, Lord, we're here for you. We're yours. No matter what comes, the wind, the waves, the storms. We want to keep our eyes on you. We ask, Lord, that you would release the breakthroughs that are needed, the resources, the multiplication, all of these things. But we're asking, Lord, courage. Lord, give us courage. Give us a heart that does not fear. that as you lift us up out of that sinking experience, that you look at us with love and compassion, that you strengthen us and you bring us up above water again. We ask, Lord, that in this year where you're opening the door of revelation, that we might see you more, know you more, become more like you. Cause us to grow, to be stronger in you. That your glory may be seen in us and through us. And that your name would be magnified. That we too, just like the twelve, would bow down. Truly, you are God. We worship you. So, Lord, as we go from this place, cause a great boldness and a strength to come inside of our hearts and our minds. Give us a perspective that you're at work, you're calling us, that we're in the right place at the right time, and even if we face a storm, you're still with us. We haven't lost the plot, we're still on course, on track to live for your honor and glory. So as we go from this place, Lord, keep us in your presence, in your protection, your provision, your peace. And all God's lovely people said,